Hey guys, Josh here. This is a rebroadcast of one of our favourite and, going by downloads, one of our most popular episodes of 2021. This is with Josh Bartell, CFL football player, which is Canadian Football League, local cricketer, and all around pretty much total champion. So what better time, with the weather heating up around here, to talk about the frozen tundra of Canada? Okay guys, this is Josh Bartell. Let's do this thing. So, tell me about the giant human being that we're expecting to turn up in the next little bit. Imagine, like, the body of Johnny Bravo. <laughs> yeah, right. Like that upside-down V. Yeah. He's, he's just got, like, a statuesque thing about him and a very, like, casual saunter. I think he'd, I've just always known him as very casual. And it annoys me that he's a supreme athlete Yes. This is Josh Bartell that I'm talking about. And I think said to you that he I worked with both of them, him and his brother Jace. And Jace was like the epitome of everything that you want in an athlete. Like the amount of prep that he'd put in. He'd be sitting there for an hour stretching after Just and disciplined. E- eating a banana, <laughs> never drunk or anything like this. And Josh would smoke and drink and <laughs> roll in and everything. So I met him before he went down to to become an athlete yep. in a higher capacity, I suppose. Yes. So I feel like I felt heartstrings for Jace <laughs> being a little... He's smaller too, so maybe I just had a kindred spirit sort of you related. You eye to eye. <laughs> eye to eye with Jace and Josh was just big. Yeah, so for people that aren't familiar with Josh, like I wasn't until you said, hey, I know this guy who used, he plays for half of the year professional gridiron in Canada in front of tens of thousands of people. <laughs> I'm like, there's a guy in the local area that plays in the CFL, the yeah. Canadian Football League, and I just didn't really know what you were getting at to begin with. I'm like, this does not compute with my brain. <laughs> to be honest, there's a lot of things that have come up since we've been doing this, and you'll be like, who hey, we got? And I was like, oh, there's this one guy that I know, and I've realised I know quite a lot of interesting people. Yeah, but I don't know how that didn't. <laughs> Registered, registered straight, earlier. Straight up. <laughs> because to me, and I, I hope that you've realised this, I don't rate or talk to people based on where they are in the social stature no, or what they've definitely done. definitely don't. No. So I don't look at him and go, oh, wow, he's been playing in the CFL. I look at him and it's like, oh, he's Josh Bartle from Keywar. He's a really nice guy and he always has been. Yeah. Like that's that's all. He just does this other thing for her. He just does this, other, but I don't register people like, oh my god, he's so he's so dreamy. And he goes and plays <laughs> CFL over in Canada. He's just another person yeah. that I know. And I guess for me, and it probably wasn't obvious until you t- introduced the idea of having him on to me, that I've got this hardcore romanticism about Canada that I don't have about any other country. Yeah. So for me, it was probably, if you had to said, oh, I know this guy that went to college and played good on in America, I'm like, oh, whatever. I know a bunch of people that play basketball over there. Yeah. But the fact that it was Canada just really tweaked my brain, as you would say. <laughs> as soon as you heard about Josh and Canada, you went fangirl. <laughs> fangirl. You're like, oh, I'm really excited about this. I was. I, did, and I think went, I said it five times this week. <laughs> and you went... I'm not sure if you know, Mel, but I have a very high infatuation level with Canada and did, all things did you know later. That? 
Yeah, this is you telling me again. Like it's a this is like fun, fun to facts you. about jo- Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I get a good guest or something, he goes, "I'm not sure if you know this about me, but yeah." So, so I expect it, not just Josh today, but all future guests to have some connection to Canada, so I can be interested. It's not just Canada. It's if you preface it with, "I'm not sure you know about." Yeah. <laughs> then I know that I'm on to a good thing. <laughs> right. Okay, I'll remember that. And I'll make sure that if I'm really excited, I'll actually write those words. Yeah. Anyway, we better get into it. We've rambled on long enough. We have. You can support the show at punchingsideways.com. You can buy us a coffee there and share the show. And if you do enjoy today's episode, give Josh a shout out on Instagram. Yes. I think I, that's where I first went and checked out what he actually does. Mm-hmm. It's just pictures of him and all these other giant athletes running around with footballs and yeah. Just share the show with someone that might be interested. Uh, Welcome to Punching Sideways. We've got Josh Bartell in here uh, with the other Josh, not quite as We've got a more impressive Josh. He is in impressive. the studio today. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> I don't know why I wave then. No one can see that. <laughs> Correct. But you <laughs> wave to us. Yeah. It made me yeah, feel good. Yeah, there you go. It was great. Yeah. I, I feel yeah. like Now I feel like we're I'm really connected. I'm the, the fans through the window there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a heap of them, actually. Yeah. We had security to get you in through the door. Yeah. I had to lead you in through the rabbit warren and take some sort of left field squirrely yeah. turns. To... Normally it's security kicking me out, but <laughs> it's nice being brought in by security. Yes. So the reason that we have you here is you're from the Albury-Wodonga local area and you've done some pretty cool things in your time. Mainly what I would like to delve into, how does someone from Keywar growing up on like a dairy farm area <laughs> end up over in Canada being a punter? Yes. No, it's it's actually a pretty, oh, pretty interesting story. Long story, long journey. Let's hear um, it. All right, well, Sit down, take a seat. So, so you you were playing like AFL version of football. Yeah, so I was pretty much I was running around at Wodonga Bulldogs there, just kicking around. wasn't really enjoying my footy too much. Like it was more of a jag, and saw sort of like Ben Graham and Savaroka were sort of over in the NFL there, kicking around and doing pretty good too. And I always, always sort of thought I had like a decent leg on me. You know, I often try to kick barrels out of fullback, and one out of ten had come off and. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd sort of go a decent distance and just sort of, yeah, got to that stage where I wasn't enjoying footy. I was going to quit, actually. Then it was actually mum jumped on Google, which I was surprised she knew how to <laughs> how to search it and <laughs> found a guy down in Melbourne with uh, Pro Kick Australia, Nathan Chapman, mm-hmm. and gave him a phone call. I think it was the next weekend we drove down to Princess Park. It was a $50 fee for a workout just to, you know, to see if I've got what it takes to, well, got the leg really and sort of the ability to kick a, an NFL ball. And, yeah, it was, well, I guess it was the best $50 that oh, mum, okay. mum ever spent. Does, has mum got that back yet? <laughs> no. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Jude, no. you I'm, calling it in. No, nah, I'm 35 and I'm still living off mum and dad. <laughs> They're never going to get rid of me. She's probably Googling, how do I get this guy out of the house? <laughs> <laughs> mum and dad could have probably retired 15 years ago if they didn't have me. So just with the, you said there, Josh, whether you've got the NFL quote-unquote leg mm. and a, a North American football-type punt, what exactly defines that versus someone that we might think of as having a big 
you know, a big kick in the AFL. How are those things different and how far apart are they in terms of expectation? No, it's it's surprising. Like if you sort of see someone that you think's got a decent leg, they're probably they're probably good like enough for Ben Graham it. obviously is the biggest yeah. kick in the AFL yeah, probably of all time. He's, yeah. he's probably above average. But I think it's you know, there's a lot of people running around here in like the the country footy legs that have got really good legs on them and they could they could definitely have a crack at it and do what I've done. But I think it's the more thing it's just consistency. Like with the with the NFL ball or what I was in, I was in the Canadian league, so I was a CFL ball. So it's just, you know, out of ten kicks you sort of you gotta try to hit like eight or nine of them pretty like nice tight spirals and turn it over. It's just more about consistency more than a massive leg. So they'll they'll pick a player that can kick it you know, 55 metres consistently over a guy that'll kick it 70, then his next kick will be 35. So that's that's the big thing. Let's, can you just sort of describe to us, so once you've, you know, had that little workshop, the $50 best investment <laughs> Which of I want to know about what happened there, so. Yeah, yeah. so, so what, what happened there and what actually then goes in from that point to getting you to, you know, elite level because yeah. it wouldn't have just been a walk walk up thing and you yeah. never come across to me as the most motivated person <laughs> to be what honest. What are you saying he's doing it on his ear? Oh no, no I'm, I know that the, there would have been a lot of work to go into it but yeah. I probably met you probably in that like I don't really care phase. Yeah. So no, to see enough. the um, the transition from that, what sort of work went in when you sort of realise oh I might have a crack here? Yeah, so pretty much from that initial try out down at Princess Park Oh, I'm going to say it was probably nearly 18 months before I actually ended up getting a job over in Canada. So did the workout with Chappie at Princess Park, did well. He goes, yep, you've got what it takes. And I was like, righto, so what's the next step now? And he's like, righto, well, you've got to quit football. Here's five balls. Go back home, just kick, you know, every second night, every second day. And then after a couple months, he says, got to move down to Melbourne and train with him full time. So pretty much moved down to Melbourne, moved in with um, Big Tomo, Big Brad Thompson, who mm-hmm. took me under his wing there, looked after me very well. And, yeah, I was just training with Chappie every day. There was about, at the time then, I think there was five or six guys in the program. And this is... And did any of those guys come from the same induction that you did? Or Yeah, yeah all the same. Like, it's... Because the program was pretty fresh, like Chappie was sort of getting it up and running. As all the other guys that were doing what I was doing, there was the five or six of us, sort of you know similar, similar scenario coming coming down for a workout, then quitting footy. They all all of us had the football backgrounds and kind of helped too. That Chappie had a guy over in Green Bay on a, at the training camp. Chris Bryan used to play for Carlton and Collingwood, so it sort of gave me a little bit more of a a decent reputation leaning someone in the NFL there for a training camp. Didn't work out, but, you know, it's so pretty much then we're in Melbourne training and then he's, it's so, it's, it look, the kicking technique is, it's a lot more different than just kicking barrels with the Aussie rules ball. Yeah, I was going to ask, obviously mm. they're, I'm assuming there's a baseline amount of kicking ability and also power and distance, Yeah, but how... And you talked about how it has to be reliably one style of punt yeah. more often than not. How much did you have to change your own kicking mechanics? Was it more different than you expected it to be? Yeah, it was a lot harder. It probably took me, I'm going to say, three months of actually kind of getting a little bit consistent. Like those couple months, 
is just absolutely shanking everything. Like they're going left, right. Some, you know, on a windy day, a couple went behind me one time, which is pretty embarrassing. Um, <laughs> it's just, yeah, because like in the Aussie rules, you're sort of like when you're winding up for a barrel, you sort of, you know, you're hooking out to the right and swinging through it and cutting across the ball. Whereas when you're trying to kick a, a gridiron ball, it's sort of catch it, two steps, leg straight up through, nice and smooth. And, and, and I'm assuming, I mean, I didn't play AFL anywhere near the level that you have, but normally when you're going to kick a ball like that, Normally it's a clearance ball or you're kicking to space or yeah. you're just loading up just to get it out of the back line. Mm. Or it's not really a ball where you're aiming for a massive amount of accuracy nah. most of the time. No, nah, exactly. And you're not trying to get a hell of a lot of hang time either. You're just, yeah. like, you're just trying to line drive it, you know, 70 So metres. can you just, before we go too far into the story about how you became a punter and then talk CFL, can you talk us about what the goal of a good punt actually is in, yeah. in gridiron or... Well, they're all over there in yards, so we'll go to, go to metres. I think because you're kicking... From snap, like you're already 15 yards behind because they're throwing it back to you. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to kick a ball about 55, 55 metres and, yeah, it's got to hang up in the air there for 4.5 seconds. So you need that hang time for your cover team to sort of run down there and, you know, stop the returner from running the ball back. It's kind of like uh, rugby after the five tackles, they kick the ball away. You know, similar scenario. So, but then if you, if you kick it too low without any hang time, then the returner catches it and he's got 30, 40 metres before your cover team is even near him. So I'm assuming your whole life playing at a decent level in the AFL, everyone would have been saying, get it down, get it down, get it down, low and flat as hard as you can Mm. to have that kind of reversed in your head. You've pretty much gone from, you know, 20 years of kicking Aussie rules football of like, you know, stab passes and everything like that to, you know, just kick it as high and as far as you can. So. Rainmakers. Rainmakers. Well, yeah. that, I got Bring a the rain. <laughs> Yeah. I used to get bagged out a lot for my rainmakers <laughs> playing fullback. <laughs> Hospital del- balls. <laughs> yeah. I remember Jared Healy told me, young fella, if you could kick as far as you could up, you'd do all right. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this amount of time that you spent down in Melbourne, was that funded at all? Or this is just chasing the dream. Yeah, no, it's all off all off my own bat. Or you know, mum and dad obviously helped out immensely. Um the program with Chappie, there's a there's a bit of a fee there that's you know, you gotta sign up for all the coaching and everything mm-hmm. like that. So but that gives you access, so all the balls, the jugs machines, the um the fields that we train on, and then he um hooked us up with a, a PT guy there down in Melbourne as well. So the eighteen months is, you know, constant gym, kicking and film as well. So like Every sort of couple of months, we'd do a film, see how we're progressing. Mm-hmm. And if the film actually looked pretty good, like the film is in, you know, 15 kicks in a row, and if yeah. they look pretty decent, then he'd, you know, send them over to the States there to some of the scouts in the NFL. And, but none of them got back, obviously. <laughs> so, what sort of hours were you doing, like full time, as if you're a professional athlete hours? When we're in Melbourne? Yeah. It sort of, oh, it sort of varies. Like, we'll, Sort of start at eight and then because there was a few of us, we probably wouldn't finish till lunchtime, but that's not all constant kicking for those four or five hours. It's, you know, you, you might have kick for 10 minutes and then you'll help go shag some balls for the other fellas that are kicking. Then there is a little bit of downtime, but that downtime you're always working on your ball drop because that's it's pretty important. you got to get the ball nice and flat in the right angle. Can't have it too in, can't have it too out, can't have it too far out in front of you or too close to the body because it jams you up. So, 
going back to like thinking about how many ball drops I've practiced, it'd be nearly in the millions, I reckon. <laughs> just forever doing it. You've got a very long arm. It seems like it'd be easy for you to just get it away from your body enough. Yeah. It's just. Well, yeah, sometimes. Long arms, long limbs. Just long levers. Long, you, you do have long levers. Yeah. So with. With that and chasing your dream, you know, you're all going for theoretically the same type of job. Was there a level of, you know, obviously you're sharing a camaraderie a little bit because you're all learning at the same time, but was there a competitive edge where you sort of were happy to sort of push one under the bus <laughs> a little bit to take his that place? That was eloquently asked. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's it was kind of, it's, it was tough in Melbourne pushing the fellas under the bus because... You know, it's, we're all in the same boat. We sort of moved away. You know, we had a guy from Leangatha, a guy from Warrnambool come in at Melbourne. And so we were all, we were like all pretty good buddies. And you know, I think being Australian, you sort of can't really throw your buddies under the bus. Like it's, it was more friendly yeah, com- competition, I guess, like, you know, friendly banter. But um, it was kind of weird because the first time we went to Canada for a workout with a team, I was actually kicking against one of the buddies that I was with in Melbourne. (laughs) There was five of us that flew to Canada for all these workouts and, you know, you actually end up kicking against one of your buddies and you sort of, you know, you do, you kick well and you'd sort of secretly hope, you know, hopefully you shank this ball so it makes (laughs) me look better. Can I ask a question about Australians in the CFL, the Canadian Football League then? Why is it that really other than people from North America, Australia is the only real hotbed of talent that goes to the NFL and or the CFL. Yeah. Is it is it the heritage of AFL that prepares people for being mouldable into yeah. a, a punter? Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. You know, in, in Australia, we've sort of grown up as soon as you can sort of walk and talk, you start kicking a footy around like, you know, it's you know, kids sort of four or five start kicking the footy around, whereas over in America and North America and that they grow up throwing the ball like baseball, you know, glove and that, they're throwing it gridiron ball they're throwing it they don't even think about being a punter or a kicker so i think it's it's more like they think about becoming a punter when they realize they can't play any other position like they're they're not good enough to play quarterback they're not quick enough to play receiver yeah sort of thing so that's why like the australians are so more appealing is because we've been kicking for 15 years before you know we're even 20 so there's just a baseline Mm. level of talent and familiarity i guess yeah and it also helps like with australians or we're playing Aussie rules, we're always used to kicking under pressure. Yep. So when you're in a game, like when you're catching the snap from the snapper, you've got seven or eight guys running straight at you trying yeah. to smash you. So, so this is one question I had today, Josh. Uh, yeah. Can you describe, because my, my brother, who was a really good football player, he played in a VFA for Coburg, probably just right below the AFL at that point. He went, He's seen some NFL athletes in person, and he just said they are just next level. Monsters. Can you describe to us when you went to the training camp for the NFL? Yeah. What, what's it like to be around athletes? Because the way it's been Real described to me <laughs> is that you're talking about pretty much a collection of the greatest athletes on the planet all in one place together. Yeah. Well, with with the the gridiron, it's every sort of body type. It's is on the team. Like you got the the O line, the big fat guys. But are they actually fat though? Or they're just they're. Heavy, <laughs> they're heavy, and they're they're bloody strong too. Like there's, I reckon they're probably about on our team. There's probably one or two guys that were probably six, seven, six, eight, 
and they're probably about 140 to 150 kilos. And their first 10 yards are, are pretty quick. <laughs> and they... And they're strong as hell, like, yeah, I could probably move a car, like, no <laughs> doubt. And then when they're running downfield, like, lead blocking, they're trying to kill the opposition, like, because the DBs, they're small little guys, like, Jace's size. Yeah. So, if so they Jace see, is Josh's brother, yeah. just so you know. Yeah, a little fella. Yeah. So, if they see a little DB, they're trying to put him out of the game, for sure. And so, then, were they close, when you're doing your, I'm assuming, practice punts, what was it like having people at that level, at that size, closing that distance? Like on you as, like yeah. I'm assuming you're, were your heads steady when you caught the ball or were they a little shaky? I remember my first preseason game, I think I did like, it might have been seven or eight punts during the game and the first five, I can't even remember what they were like. It was, <laughs> I was running out there. I don't even know if I was running or staggering, walking. I was just sweating and like a little bit of shakes and then you've also got like 30,000, 40,000 people in the crowd as well and I'm only used to sort of playing in front of maybe 100, 200 people and most of them are lining up for a pie yeah <laughs> and half of them are my cousins as yeah. well so. <laughs> but yeah it's like that first one catching the snap and you know it's all you sort of hear is just like all the cracks of the helmets because everyone's like running at each other, headbutting each other and then you just like, you just fingers crossed that they're actually blocking the people trying to get to you because if they come through clean, like, they love nothing Basically, better. you're expected to try and stop someone at that point, aren't you, if they get through? No, nah, I've got to try and just kick it before they get to me. Yeah, so. but I'm sorry, oh, when, yeah. when they're returning, if yeah. they were to, for whatever reason, get through, get the... through, you would actually have to try and stop them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what they say. Like. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, a, oh, well, you, the, the punt returners yeah. are the smallest, quickest, shiftiest people like you'll ever see. And here I am, big six foot four, pretty docile kind of guy. And yeah, there's a few returners that made me look pretty stupid. And I've made a few highlight reels over there in Canada, not for <laughs> not for the right reason, not for me being the highlight. Anyway, I, I just wanted to for people listening, Josh, give some perspective on quickly where you've played, but also the size of. The cities, because yep. I think in people's minds, they think, oh, Canada, there's a similar, I mean, it's a bigger country than Australia population-wise, but yep. they probably don't realise how big some of these mid-sized cities are. So you play for the Hamilton Tigers, that was in Ontario, that's 530,000 people. Uh, Saskatchewan, oh, sorry, Regina, the city of Regina in Saskatchewan, Regina. sorry. Yeah. Regina, Regina. 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 Yeah, Regina. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's amusing to me. <laughs> 260,000 people. And then the greater Vancouver area where you played for the, the BC Lions, that's 2.5 million people. Yeah. So 30, 40,000, particularly a city like that, a major market, that probably isn't unusual. But no. what was the, like, are these fans as crazy as we imagine yeah. sports fans to be? Yes. Because I don't think people think it's the hotbed of. American style football is nah. Canada. <laughs> no, it's it's. Well, I suppose Canada's more known for their ice hockey and yeah, and all that. But um, the first two teams I played it was the you know Hamilton Ticats and then Saskatchewan. Their fans are very very passionate. I actually played in a Grey Cup, which is the grand final. I was playing for Hamilton against Saskatchewan in my second year, and it was in Saskatchewan. I think it was like 60, 60 something thousand there, and it was minus. I'm gonna say like minus ten to fifteen. And these Saskatchewan fans, because it was their home ground, absolutely crazy. I think it was, they were drunk by 10 a.m. for sure. And I remember warming up in the kicking net and it's right next to the, you know, the crowd and 
I'm sort of like a pretty chilled, nice guy. I'll, t- I'll speak to anyone. And these Saskatchewan fans go, hey, Bartel. And I turn around with a smile on my face. And they <laughs> you effing suck. <laughs> and I was like looking at them. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Piss off back to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. And I was talking to me kicking. He's like, yeah, these Saskatchewan fans are crazy. The, yeah. best, the best way I could describe them is um, probably close to Collingwood fans, I guess <laughs> you could say. Um, yeah, right. And then... Well, the drunk by 10 a.m. thing yeah, goes right away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the next year I ended up getting traded to Saskatchewan and absolutely love the fans. <laughs> you kind of thought up there. Sorry, Mel. Yeah. Just before I forget, I've been, I'm really fascinated with Canada, just as yeah. a place. We're about to enter a quote-unquote heat wave here in Australia. And you just said it's... I mean, from what I could work out, the CFL's played over what's meant to be summer. Yeah. <laughs> and you're talking about negative 10 to 15 Celsius. Mm. Can you describe a Canadian cold versus Australian cold? Oh, the Canadian cold, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, it, it goes straight through your body into your bones, the cold. Like, it's absolutely freezing, especially when you're on the sideline. I think the worst game I played in was uh, minus 22 to 25 with wind chill. <laughs> and that was, that was in um, Edmonton. It was one of the playoff games. And I'm sort of thinking that, yeah, I don't really care if we lose because I can go straight back to Australia in two days and it's 35 degrees. I can be <laughs> swimming in my pool. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't say that to any of my teammates because they're like, come on, let's win, let's win. I'm like, shit, I don't know. It's, it's pretty warm back home at the moment. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was that game's like a couple of fellas got frostbite. Um, you know, your eyes would water and when you blink, your eyes would freeze shut because of the... That's just <laughs> that... That's um, it was crazy, and then you got that like, is crazy. You see the coaches, and they've got like icicles running out of their nostrils, and and because you know we're only wearing lycra on the sideline, and being a punter, I stand around for ninety percent of the game. It's like first thing to go is your feet; they're frozen, gone. You go out to kick a ball, you can't even feel the ball on your foot. You just hopefully you've made contact with something that's. Yeah, and it goes forward. And does the ball hurt when it hits your hands? Kills. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you catch those laces. Those laces are like frozen. And because the ball's spinning so hard when it gets thrown back to you, you catch the laces wrong and then, yeah, she stings. And then even when you kick the ball, if you kick those laces, it's like kicking a brick. I remember, oh, you know, sort of when it, the car, well, say a couple of weeks, like leading up to the playoff games, you're at practice. And then by the end of it, you just got like a bruise all over your foot from just kicking this cold ball. Yeah, they're like, oh, well, it's going to be cold during the playoff game, you know. We're going to practice outside. We've got to get used to this. And I was like, oh, What shit. month are we talking here, though? Well, the season, it starts in summer. Yeah. And then it, it goes finishes into the dead cold. of winter. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, you normally, it's, you know, I've played a couple of games where we're in a foot of snow, obviously in the minuses. <laughs> and then, you know, at the start of the season, you're normally playing in 35-degree weather. Everyone's cramping up by half time because it's yeah. just that hot. I was talking to a friend on Skype, and it's funny you said the thing about your eyes freezing sharp <laughs> yeah. he's he works in an office building where to get to the car park because he he's in calgary mm. and sometimes with wind chill it gets to negative 40 there yeah he said they actually have a heated walkway to the car park because the the liquid in your eyes can freeze yeah if you're outside in that weather <laughs> i was like what because i love the cold oh that's why man. i bought it up and then yeah yeah i'm a few people have said to me, you don't know real cold. You think you like the cold because I'm fantasise about Canada. Oh, it's my perfect weather. Never oh. gets hot. I don't think I, know, I understand real no, cold. No, definitely. <laughs> you, you're probably like, oh, this is awesome for a day. Then you're like, no. Nah, <laughs> this uh, fascinates me because that was the question I was going to ask you. What sort of clothing do they get you to wear to counteract that? But this, 
no, there's nothing. There's, there's not a hell of a lot because you're still going to be able to move pretty swiftly as well. So how swift can you move when you're frozen though? <laughs> so oh, when you're like... on the sideline, you're in those like you brought up Green Bay. I watch a lot of Aaron Rodgers highlights just because mm. he seems to pull off something freaky yeah, every week. Coat. But he's always covered in these massive coats that look yeah. like he's standing inside a refrigerator. Yeah. Did you guys have those when you yeah, were Yeah, yeah. Our equipment guys at SAS were pretty good. Like we had sort of the best of the best stuff there with the equipment. The worst thing is it's sort of when it gets to like in the single digits, I'm looking for those big jackets and no one else really thinks it's cold at all and I'm like and the equipment guy goes come on mate you can't be the the first idiot to put this jacket on and I'm sitting there you were happy to take that bullet though were you (laughs) I didn't care after half time I was like give me the jacket I'll take all the shit they'll give me but I remember um, first year we were in Sask as well saw a well I think we are going to a supermarket or something there and there was a car and had like a little um, extension lead out the sort of the front of the car and I talked to, I got Ellie, I was like, oh, look at this idiot. Like, he's obviously ran over something and that. And then I was talking to one of my teammates, asking, like, telling the story that this guy's ran over extension lead. And he goes, nah, it's, they pull that extension lead out and plug it into a PowerPoint so their car doesn't freeze overnight. I was like, what the hell? What, what do they put, got a heater in there? Yeah. So they <laughs> plug it into a PowerPoint overnight where they, you know, obviously in their garage or something so the engine doesn't freeze up. I was like, how cold does it get here? I was like, Are you <laughs> so the engine, me? I'm assuming the coolant would freeze. Yeah, yes, or everything. So Holy moly. Here I am thinking this idiot's just ran over an extension lead or something <laughs> like that, but it's actually <laughs> keep his engine warm during the night. It sounds terrible. To oh, be honest, I hate it. I'm actually still pretty bad at the moment, aren't I? <laughs> to me it sounds still sounds pretty romantic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember the one, oh, there was one time we flew back home. Um, we left Saskatchewan. Uh, the wind chill was minus... 35, I think it was, like, they're about to take off and, of course, you have to, the plane has to get completely hosed down with, um, or de-ice it or whatever it is, uh, anti-freeze, I'm sort of guessing. Never never seen that before. And then So we leave Canada, it was minus 35 in Regina, and then we land in Sydney and it was 35, 36 degrees. So we've had, like, a 70-degree a swing. Because <laughs> we're all rugged up, we've got our hoodies on, tracky pants on because we just left Canada and poor Ellie, the wife, she gets out in Sydney Heat rash everywhere. Just uh, blows up the poor oh, girl. Gosh. So it took us a few days to get used to the coming We just talked summer. about heat. Yeah. Was there ever a point where during those summers your Canadian teammates or North American teammates were complaining about how hot it was? Because <laughs> I was assuming it yeah. wouldn't get above mid-20s or yeah. however hot it gets. <laughs> there, was, there was probably a couple of days where it got to low 30s. and That's know, heat that, wave territory. That is heat wave. Like he's sort of, they're sending out messages on the news like, you know, elderly don't go outside, stay inside, <laughs> it's nice and cool. Yeah, and We're here, it's 40 and they're out just cruising around. Yeah, they're still yeah, cruising look. around on the walkers, having a great time, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy and, you know, sort of low 30s, I'm still... Yeah, rock a long sleeve shirt. Sometimes in the morning it's a little bit crisp and everyone's rocking around and you know, the shorts and the thongs and the singlets. And does that extreme weather, because I guess it's somewhat limiting for people as to what they can do day to day, did that make those colder towns sports fans maybe even more obsessed with getting out to the game? Yeah. Because it was somewhere they could all be together, whereas, you know, they yeah. can't go out and do maybe some of the stuff they normally would. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing they sort of... Yeah, they're penciling in those the rider or the rough rider home games every sort of second week, and you know it's because there wasn't much else to do in the prairies. Like our team was the only sort of sports team to follow around there, and especially the dead of winter as well. You are pretty limited with your social life, so 
yeah, they used to live for those games. And like I said, they started pretty early. They used to go tailgating. So they get there at 10, park their cars in the car park and just start boozing on in the back of the car. And they're playing <laughs> like, um, what is it, sand, you know, what's, what's that little bag that you throw into the hole? Like uh, beanbag toss, I think might have been. They one of the play beanbag toss at the footy. Yeah, like just in the car park before the game starts. Oh really? Like this is a so we probably play like seven or eight o'clock at night, and they're there before lunch, playing, drinking, <laughs> shots of fireball. So, no, I mean, my wife Ellie's done a few of those once as well. She's she's a fan of tailgating. Well, nice. spe- speaking of that, how do you manage to get such a a lovely? And supportive wife in this journey that you've been. Well, firstly, firstly, I want to know what it was like to get that call that you're in, mm. and and then and then how did you manage to keep and get Ellie in amongst <laughs> all that? Keeper, keeper. Yeah. yeah, well, I think it was. We actually just sort of started dating as well when all this stuff happened in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I want to say we've probably been dating for three or four months. Oh, it's very fresh. Yeah, very fresh. Hey, if you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let's say. Then um, flew to Canada for a couple of weeks for these workouts. Um, worked out pretty well, kick well. Offered me a contract and come back home. And then we're like, oh, so you know, we'll have a chat and then see what what's going to happen. Then we sort of decide. Like, I'll go for training camp. You know, three weeks later, it's a three week training camp to try and make the team. And then. She's like, I'll I'll come over after those three weeks. If you don't make the team, then we'll just go travelling around Canada. And if you do make the team, then that's you know even better. So made the team. Like they, this was the Tiger Cats. Yeah, the Tiger Cats. So we're all in dorm room, dorm rooms actually. So we're staying at a university for training camp. If you didn't get a knock on your door, they call him the Grim Reaper, the guy that comes around <laughs> and knocks on your door, and he goes, say say if I was getting cut. He answered the door and they goes, Josh there. And he's like, and I'll be like, yep. He's like, oh, I'll just grab your playbook, mate. And then that's it. You cut. Oh. Sort of, you go to your locker room, you clean it. Your locker room's already cleaned out by the equipment guys. Is a and sorry, Josh, you knew that that was going to be the process or were these just kind of urban myths around oh, I the group? it was urban myths. Like, oh, you know. Surely it can't be that harsh. Or- <laughs> if you hear a couple of knocks on your door, don't answer it, the Grim Reaper. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, good one. And then, like a yeah. drop bear, yeah, like no. a drop bear, <laughs> Canadian drop bear. Yeah. But um, yep, no, nah, it's he's a, he's very much he's not a myth. He's he's alive and well. And thankfully, I never got that that knock. And yeah, he just keeps showing up to train. And and then, yeah, there was the day the way they made the final team, and they said I was in. I was a starting punter, and I was like, "Are you sure?" And they're like, "Yep." So then, yep, Elsie come over and. That's that's when we started the journey. She's been she's been amazing because I was I was down in Melbourne doing the kicking thing and nothing because I was trying to do the NFL originally and went over to the states there for a couple of months. But it was when they had the NFL lockout, so didn't really get any workouts and all that. And then come back home was a little bit flat. Didn't really know what to do. And then started dating Elle, and she sort of said like, "You might as well give it another crack. Like you got nothing else to lose. Like you'll regret it for the rest of your life if you don't have another go at it." And she sort of got me motivated again, and and then that's when we ended up in Canada. Yeah, wow. Because so, sorry, I was going to yeah. say you don't really even talk about that moment of getting, like, of making the team in a 
you know, it, it seems like you've been working so hard for so long and you're just like, yeah, and then I made the team. And then, like, was Ellie that came the Australian? Over, like, is it? And I was like, oh, are you sure? Like, yeah, it is. It, it Did seemed- you do the Aussie thing? Did you try and talk him out of it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, yeah, look, mate, there's, there's plenty of other good punters here. Are you sure you want me? Yeah, remember that like- one I jagged on day two? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you're a rookie, you cheat. And I'm like, all right, that'll work. <laughs> Yeah, right. So Ellie just seems like she's she's just been like the supporting background mm. to you and maybe this might not have gone so well if she wasn't there sort of yeah. in your corner. Yeah. No, she's definitely kept me pretty straight, like, you know, focused-wise with, you know, getting ready to head back to Canada and that. And, and yeah, she's sacrificed, what was I going to say, seven or eight years of me chasing this dream and doing what I want. Just for everyone at home, Josh, just so they know, the sport for you is, I guess, for the lack of a better term, seasonal. Yeah. It's not a year-round thing where, you you know, you're banking bajillions of dollars like an NFL player and then you just party for a few months and go back to training camp. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it's pretty much- It's a portion of each of your year that you dedicate to. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's pretty much the season six months there, then six but six months back home, which is which is pretty good. Like I get to come home for Christmas and New Year's and the summer and everything. But you know the money's not that great. Like I have to work when I come back home, and it's sort of more for the experience and the lifestyle. That's that's sort of why you do it, and obviously the love of it too. Yeah. So I guess yeah. you are playing in front of at times tens of thousands of people mm. that I know just from being involved with the bandits. The amount of passion that people have at a game is as much passion as they have for any sport yeah. at any time that they go to. Yep. When the crowd's really all into it, yeah. they care just as much about that as someone does about Collingwood or the Los Angeles Lakers. Like, There's yeah. no difference. Mm. You're getting, I guess, to feel that energy. Yeah. And it's and when you're doing well, in, I like referring back to Saskatchewan because they're, they're easily the best fans that I've played in front of and- you know, it's, it doesn't matter how bad our team is going. Like, I've been there a couple of years when we've absolutely stunk, but we're still selling out the crowd at 35,000. They're still showing up. No matter how bad we're getting whooped, they're still cheering for us. They still supported us. And, and then when we actually started doing really well, it's um, the stadium was absolutely Pandemic. electric. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you have to... I guess you seem like a pretty chill guy just meeting you now, but do you have to come off that high a little bit when, oh, you, yeah. when you get back and just fly, get back into normal... Yeah. You mean when, when you go down to the shops in Wodonga, you don't have someone there going, good stuff, but you're probably not getting sledged either. Go home, mate. Yeah. No, it's, well, it's it's pretty funny because the father-in-law, Gaz, he's like, yeah, in Canada, you're, you're a professional athlete and people know you and cheer for you. When you come back here, you're an earth mover. No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, thanks. That's the way to keep me home. No less thanks. important, though. No. But, but yeah, like, the. But does that go back to Mel's question that. Your partner has basically been the person that has made those transitions yeah. from living in two parts of the world maybe easier or just more fluid? Or Yeah, probably more fluid. Um, she's she's a pretty laid-back kind of girl too. So, you know, we it helps me to know that she's, you know, she can, she can look after herself too, which is, you know, she's an independent girl, which helps a lot as well. And she can go with the flow as well. And the, with the job I had over there in Canada, it's, yeah, you sort of got to go with the flow. Like you never really know what's going to happen from week to week to season to season. So, yeah, like I said, I owe her a lot. Seven, seven or eight years of her giving up her life. So, and yeah, when I finish, I'll I'll support her and let her chase her dreams. 
So just before we get off the subject, is she going to be the one who pushes you along to what did you call your Corona kilos? <laughs> the Rona rig. The Rotary. <laughs> the Rona rig. Can you describe to the listener what exactly that is? Oh, well, I suppose it's the coronavirus and, you know, when the pandemic, everything shut down, you sort of got a little bit lazy, a little bit unhealthy, a bit of tubby. Yeah. And so is she on you about getting fit again in case the season happens? Yeah. <laughs> well, she's all this, yeah, in case the season happens or if you're playing at key or seconds, you've got to get fit. So you have to get rid of A, the dad bod and the Rona rig. So. The Rona rig. She's probably more worried about you embarrassing yourself in Keywall. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. You've got to see those people at the shops. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, not earth moving now. Yeah. I'm a Keywall seconds footy player. So how did you get the – because you've got a nickname Thumper now. Did, <laughs> Is that from Elkie? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Mel has her idiot. sources. They're always <laughs> unnamed sources. <laughs> nah, it's – Thumper is just the moving term. Was I used to the, the your source you're talking about? His name was Bobby Boucher because we did this job. Hey, just working with working with Wiley Jackson. Jackson's Earth moving shout out. Um, Jacko, yeah, yeah, Jacko, not a sponsor. Will be, will be, we'll, we'll get be. him. Yeah, very good. Um, <laughs> I was I was on the the roller for mm-hmm. a couple of months during this job, and as you know, you you're thumping the ground down and big Elkie Bobby Boucher was in the water cart. So, obviously, <laughs> pretty mature kind of guys who come out with these two pretty shit nicknames. So, and his his one just he's the only one that calls me Thumper, so I know who exactly what you're talking about. Is it wrong that even though you're a professional football player, I assume that that nickname wasn't sports related? <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. It would have been nice. Yeah, was, kick, no, don't yeah. stick. So, you would actually go back again. You you've had like a year. A year off, sort of forcibly, for for the Rona rig to 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 form <laughs> to, form, to flourish, to, to flourish yeah. and, and um, develop, come, come into its player. own, <laughs> come into its own. What sort of work goes into not necessarily the Rona rig, but <laughs> keeping yourself um, sort of just on the edge of fitness I suppose if you're six months on six months off like it's not not like you've just got like a little short break to keep motivated in the no. off season what sort of work you have to sort of put in to to keep yourself yeah well, going? definitely after the season you give yourself a couple of months off to to really enjoy your Christmas and New Year and the summer and all that but I'm generally a pretty active guy anyway like play play cricket out at Keywell there during the summer too so yeah that keeps you moving around and I sort of only really start getting ready sort of February, February, March is when I start getting back in the gym. And thankfully my position, like you don't need a hell of a lot of cardio. So mine's just more weights, you know, leg base, core kind of thing, like explosive sort of stuff. So it's sort of, you know, it doesn't take long to, to get all that back and start kicking around April, like a month before I head back over into training camp because it starts May, late May. So... You know, and kicking it sort of only takes me two or three weeks to get that rhythm back as well. So I sort of, I've, the first couple of years I was still sort of trying to work it out like routine and mm-hmm. trying to get ready to go back over the season. But the sort of the last four years I sort of, you know, had a down pad, had a good routine and knew what my body needed to do to get ready for the season. You know, sometimes didn't go over there too well. You know, pre-season wasn't as best as it would <laughs> be. But then, you know, obviously the harder you work, the, the better your season's going to be and that kind of thing. So I've dealt with the wild space. So it's like the 
the AFL side of things as a trainer with different clubs around here. And I know that I always used to get really annoyed with the seconds players and they're older and doing less work. And You think they should have been doing more work? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh. This was my thought process like at the time before I actually played a <laughs> – a season of football and realise that when you're older, your body does not recover yeah, it's, it's, in the same yeah. way. So, <laughs> so hey, I, were, I remember, have you ever talked about the the Lavi women's days? Have you no, running around I, there? Has I, that I, been a, a segment yet? No, it hasn't. No, no, I remember seeing Mel running down the wing, two bounces and then, you know, hitting back Bartle, laces out in the forward pocket there. <laughs> I've seen her play a few games, mate. Yeah, yeah. You told that way better than what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was more best on ground, like knocked on the ground <laughs> constantly. <laughs> She'd get ragged older fairly, fairly often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but that that brought a newfound respect to the older players, such as mm. Wiley, your brother-in-law, and he used to just rock up and you know, I still think he could have done a little bit more work, to be honest. But... <laughs> With the way you get older, when you're older, your body recovers differently, right? So yep. you can't necessarily put those hard yards in. You have to sort of operate a little bit smarter, yeah. I'd say. So has your regime changed slightly? I mean, you're not old by any means, but you you wouldn't bounce back as well, I would imagine, yeah. now that you're a little bit older. Has that sort of changed the way you go about things? Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, it's, it takes you a little bit longer to recover it at our age and yeah it's sort of the last couple of years I was probably wasn't kicking as much as I was like leading over into training camp mm-hmm. like I remember when I sort of first started I was kicking you know three or four times sometimes five times a week just to get ready to go back in Canada that was a month before I headed back over yeah so whereas the last couple of years I was only sort of you know start off twice a week and then two weeks before I was heading over you know ramp it up to sort of three times a week so sort of just you know not as many kicks through the legs you know, look after the hammies, you know, the the quads and that kind of thing. So it was more about, I don't know, quality instead of quantity, I suppose. And Yeah. Mm. And so over there, because I'm just blown by the, how the cold, and I get so cold, like you've seen me on the oh, sidelines at, Absolutely at football. Myself. How do you stop yourself from getting injured when it's that cold? Because you can't warm your bo- no. body up. Like everything would just like... <laughs> Yeah, it's, so, I'm surprised like there's not more, you know, hamstrings snapped or calves pinged or anything like, like that. Even your, like your groin and that, like yeah. just with your, like your kicking. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're getting close to coming on the punt, just sort of when it gets to second down, that's sort of when you know, you know, you could be close. You, you start warming up in the net, you know, five or six kicks before you think you're going to go out there and... And then when you go out there to kick when it's, you know, in the minuses, you just swing and just hopefully everything stays together. You sort of some, like I've done a few kicks and the hamstring sort of starts to tingle and I'm like, shit, that was pretty close to just going just then. So. <laughs> do you ever get there at the start of the season when you're taking that first snap and think, geez, I hope I remember how to do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's when you go to training camp as well because you always, every, every year I've played over there, I can't remember, seven or eight years, but anyway, every year I've played training camp, I've always competed against two or three other kickers, like trying to trying to take my job or trying to win win the job sort of thing. So at the start of the first couple of days, it's you know you're a little bit shaky because you haven't caught a snap or you haven't kicked with a you know a punt rush coming at you. So it's the first couple of days you're like, holy shit, like not hitting them real well here, and <laughs> I've lost it. I don't know how to do it anymore. And oh, well, there goes my career. But then, good thing is you bounce back and. 
so far I've, I've beaten everyone out that I've kicked against, which is a nice little tick there I'll give myself. So, I mean, you've got a massive career to fall back on. We've just heard now that you've taken over the bus driving route <laughs> at Yak and Dander. Um, yeah, what, what's it, what is it like to go from so much intensity coming at you to then just having to do something like be thumper on the roller or <laughs> do not give that nickname for any traction at all, all right? We can add, we're editing in that one. Yeah, uh, talked about edits. I'm That's making gone. that the little teaser <laughs> for the episode. <laughs> to be thumper on the roller or just now like you've taken over like your parents have a a bus company as well and now yeah. you're a bus driver and kids I'm sure wouldn't respect you at, at, for for what you've done? Do you, do you just sort of roll yeah. on going, hey, Mr. Bartle to you, I'm kind of a big deal overseas. Yeah, um, I'm pretty much. I'm big in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> when, they, when they're playing up on the bus, I'm like, oh, Mr. Bartle, I've got the blue tick on Instagram and Twitter. And they're like, what's Instagram? I'm like, damn. I've never said that, but that'd be a pretty big flex of what yeah, I could never do. They'd that. be only on the TikTok now. Instagram's old news. Yeah, well, shit, I ain't got TikTok. I don't even know how to work it. So. <laughs> but, that raises an interesting question that what Mel's getting at. I didn't realise until probably a few weeks ago when I read a book by a Canadian author named Alan Doyle. He's a big folk musician from Newfoundland. And he went to one of the Grey Cups and he got on the, the field by somehow. He just yeah. snuck on there and then ended up getting chased off by security. He was talking about there being 70,000 people there or something. It was yeah. crazy. I had no idea the scale of yeah. the sport there. Does it afford you, I guess, for lack of a better term, any level of celebrity there? Oh. Yeah. Because, I mean, I know that the NFL tends to lump punters and kick into a category known as special teams, which I think is a horrible name. Yeah, but that's... Like Between when you're walking around, like when you're in Saskatchewan, did people recognise you? Oh, it's not very often. Like there was there was a couple of the diehard fans obviously knew, and as soon as you know, I'd go somewhere and speak, then they're like, "Oh, you're an Aussie." Oh, there's not many Aussies in Saskatchewan. Oh, you're the punter. Yeah. So, but not as compared. I was lucky because it was a small pool, and it was more the quarterbacks that. Yeah, they couldn't sort of leave their house without getting hassled because they're a pretty big deal or the gun wide receiver, everyone would sort of know them. So, you know, us specialists would sort of slip under the radar and, you know, it's we could sort of enjoy ourselves a little bit more than, say, a quarterback could at a bar and all so that. So how do you explain to people that maybe know you now why you're doing this half-year, half-year thing then? Like how do you tell people about the sport when you're over there? Like, do you talk it up so they understand that it's a big deal or do you put a bit of, bit of sauce on it? Or? Well, the first couple of years, I was like, yeah, yeah, professional athlete over in Canada playing gridiron. They're like, what, what's gridiron? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, let me tell you. Sit down, my friend. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I've got a pretty good group of mates around here and back home that sort of keep me grounded so I can't really pump my own tyres too much without them ripping me down. So Pump them here on here. So they can't get to you. <laughs> well, Elkie's already got to me, Thumper, hadn't he? <laughs> yeah, that was through some back channels. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that maybe eventually, just given how big social media is now, and particularly the NFL highlights, for example, are one of there's among the most shared things on the internet. Is there a growing awareness around the world for the CFL? Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely taken off. Like, I think is um we've always got a couple. 
you know, players from each team that get picked up from NFL teams as well at the end of the year. So, like, the CFL's no joke. It's I sort of compare it to, you know, AFL, obviously NFL, and um, CFL, you know, probably like VFL, or like, you know, a very close version. So, but then we, we have a lot of ex-NFL players coming up to, to our teams in the CFL. So, you know, we had um, Vince Young was at, with us in Saskatchewan for training camp. He used to be an NFL quarterback there for 10 years, obviously a legend there in Texas. Yeah. Um, Trent Richardson, a running back. He was a number one or number two overall draft pick to the Browns. So it's, um, yeah, the CFL is no joke. It's It's got a lot of respect up there as well. And, you know, the quality of players is, is pretty impressive. Just on the back of, like, Josh's question before about your celebrity inverted commas, which I don't see you that way, but over there in the playing season, what would what would you say is the coolest thing that has come about because of the game you're playing over there that doesn't necessarily have to have been involved with the game, but just a, an opportunity that has presented itself because you're in that world over there? Yeah, I think Apart from coming on this podcast, yeah, right? Well, I mean, you wouldn't be on here, honestly, if you didn't play CFL, mate. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't get so, me here apart me, from me that cricket one. days, me <laughs> cricket days. I think it's it's more the opportunity to get out into communities, especially in Saskatchewan. It's a big prairies, open land. Those, like, it's super flat, and they have the saying there, you can watch your dog run away for two days. It's that flat. Like There's not a hill in sight. <laughs> and you know, it's the opportunity when you're playing for Saskatchewan is to get to out out there and like, you know, sort of two or three hour drive away to these little communities that, you know, I've never heard of, not many people have heard of and, you know, sort of go there and just meet sort of 20, 30, you know, fans that they all know who you are and oh, I've never even heard of these people's town and you're sitting there, you're, you're doing, you know, question and answers with them, signing autographs for them, getting photos and, you know, and, yeah, have a couple of beers with them as well. So that's, that's, um, definitely one of the, the perks that sort of come out of it. And I, I kind of enjoy that thing too. Like I like getting around there and speaking to you know, the communities that I don't know much about them, they don't know much about me. And you know, it's a good chance I get to learn a bit about Australia and I'll get to learn a little bit the way how they live their life out in the middle of the prairies. Do you find that you being an Australian and the Canadian people that you're meeting, are you somewhat, and you're from a mid-sized city yourself, being from around here, do you find you're somewhat simpatico? Yeah. That you understand what yeah. it's like to be hundreds of kilometres from a major yeah. centre. Like, yeah, you sort of got to make your own sort of entertainment and that kind of thing. Is um, You probably also realise, Josh, that that's probably the biggest moment of like meeting you and the other players. Even, you know, you might not... Like, I hope it what? goes better for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can only go up. Yeah, but, but you, yeah. you obviously have to have, be somewhat mindful of how important those moments are yeah. to them as well. Yeah, and you don't want to be... Because like, some of the fans are, are pretty passionate and they like to get up and close in that and you... You sort of you have to understand that as well, and yeah. You know, so it's not every day you sort of get to meet a rider. Like I don't want to toot us up or anything being a rider, but you know they they love us over there, and you know you sort of got to respect that as well. You don't gonna don't go around sort of acting like a dick either about it because it's a small town, and you know you got to respect them. And also like done a few hospital visits as well, like in there in Saskatchewan, like it was every. Friday before the game, we used to go through the hospital there and just, you know, meet people and, you know, sort of just taking a couple of hours of, out of your day just to hang out with them and, like I said, just tell a few stories and, you know, they always love asking you questions and everything like that too and always happy to answer them. I think that is a much more beautiful answer than what 
the expectation was from me. You expected something stupid out of well, me. Well, no, no, no. Well, like <laughs> in in your thought process, when you think of elite athletes and that, you think of, um, you know, just left field stuff that they get to do. Not many that you would hear about is um, how fortunate you are to be able to give back. Yeah. Like when I asked you a question, you turned it back on the fact that you had the opportunity to sort of help and impress on others, which is a very lovely answer. <laughs> no, like I enjoy the free stuff that we get as well from being a rider. <laughs> get a free Jeep for the season. Oh, there you go. That's, that's second on the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second yeah, yeah, on the yeah. list. And then there was a couple of times there we got um, me, Ellie, and a couple of other friends got the VIP to a big music concert there. It's called uh, Craven. And we got to go see Keith Urban up there and in the v- VIP section and got a limo that picked us up from Regina and drove us a couple of hours out to the middle of the paddock where this concert was. And, yeah, they're, they're the good perks, but. There you yeah. go. You've been media school. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's right. So say, part of say the, the, yeah, say the conscientious <laughs> stuff first. Part of this. Hey, you can edit this to make this part, super good. Thanks. Part of this training that you received early on was like, you know, make sure you sound like you have a level of humility and and. Uh, and then tell them about Keith then, Urban. <laughs> tell them about the Getting free hammered Jeep watching Keith can. Urban and <laughs> passing out the, t- the limo on the way home. Yeah, it's good. Did you ever worry that that's really the only reason that Ellie was with you? <laughs> Can I get to Keith Urban? Hey, he's, a, he's a delicious looking guy. I, I can't blame him. I'd, I'd send her. I don't know if you'd look that great with like that much hair sort of flowing around in the in the wind at all. <laughs> How <laughs> does someone sing in that sort of temperature? Well, I think it was more autumny. Yeah, okay. Or spring, whatever, summer, autumn. No, what do they call it? Fall over there. Fall. Yeah, so it wasn't freezing or anything like that, but... It was so, good fun. So you you always plan on being back here though forever, right? And what is it about this area, like of Aubrey Wodonga, that just makes you want to stay? Oh, just I don't know any better. I think. Well, actually, I <laughs> well, do. You do know. I better. do know you better, do. but you've just I been just, telling uh, us yeah. for yeah. fifty five minutes that you do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it it helps that you know you go away and live in all these other cities, and that it sort of makes you appreciate what you had home. Like growing up, I had a big family. I was like one of five and we had like 30, 30, 30 or 35 first cousins and growing up we were super close and when you sort of you sort of up and go over to Canada there for six months, you sort of start, you know, missing the family and all that kind of thing and also being heavily involved in the community out at Keywar and in at Wodonga and that, it's, you know, it's I've got no reason to, to want to go anywhere else. It's... As soon as our season's done in Canada, I'm, I always book the first flight out of Regina to get home because I just can't wait to get back home and see the family and see the friends. And now I've gotten plenty of nieces and nephews running around and just, you know, my little son Hugo is one year old and I can't think of a better place for him to grow up and I can't wait to watch them all grow up and run around Keylor and run amok and hopefully don't get into much trouble Teach them how to punt. Teach them how to punt. Well, they just, they just started to get into all the, the cricket at the moment, playing under 12s. Like, they're pretty young. Like, I think Blair and oh, Arch and all of them are the only sort of eight. things and, ever. Yeah. It's so good watching the next, um, you know, family generation come through the sporting club. It's it's pretty exciting. And I don't, know, I don't think I've ever said that before, but just to watch them go through and play for Keelor and So can we just finish up? Josh, I just want to ask one question. 
when you've come back to play local cricket and also football, I'm assuming if you happen to, you know, ever get to run around doing that again, how technical a game is gridiron to take from not knowing it all to putting it all in your head when you're already on the team? Yeah, it was because you just made that sound like you don't. When you got there, you really didn't understand what's nah, an incredibly complex I didn't. sport. I learned, I learned most of it from just watching, watching it on TV. But still, it took me probably five or six years to sort of get everything down pat. And I remember the first couple of years, you know, they the refs would throw a, throw a flag, and I'd be like, "What? Yeah, what they just throw that flag for?" And, <laughs> yeah. like, he was, and then me kicker would look around because we often spend time together on the sidelines. And he's like. They were offside, mate. And I was like, what's offside? <laughs> He's like, you shit me, mate. He's like, how the hell are you still on this team? You don't know any of the you rules. You don't have to do one thing well. Yeah. yeah. So they just, they just goes, yeah, you're lucky you know how to kick because that's, you, that's all you're good at. Yeah, there's just so many rules that you have to know in the NFL. And especially when you've got like three different teams within a team, like you've got your offense, defense, and special teams. It's, yeah, there's always a fair bit going on. And it's all it's, so it's always good watching on TV because the commentators do such a good job of explaining what's happening and the rules and why this penalty was all that. And Whereas if I sit down and try to show my Canadian fellas an AFL game, I just start trying to explain. It's an absolute – it's it's a lot harder than you think trying to explain how AFL works. So the best way is just saying it's organised chaos. Yeah, <laughs> not even that Kind of like our podcast. It's pretty much, pretty much. Appreciate you coming in today and – um yeah. Anytime. Spending a little bit of time with us. We might like to get you back on in the future if you get to go back over and get another season in after get you get rid of the Milk cor- another one. corona rig out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do they – oh, just quickly on that. Do they? Do you have to get the skin fold tests and everything over there or they sort of encourage a little bit of rona rig to for no, insulation? Well, <laughs> yeah. I just say I'm getting ready for the winter. Yeah, okay. So, but it's – no, they sort of don't really care, like, Obviously, they know if you come back in shape or not, but the good thing about Gridiron is if you're doing your job, you're playing your role well, then you've got nothing to worry about. Like, we sort of, you know, people sort of enjoy themselves during the week. They rock up the practice, like, still pretty hungover, still drunk, and they they go out there and get the job done. But, you know, if you're sort of, you're not doing your job, then that's when you get cut. But yeah, the yeah, Grim Reaper. <coughs> yeah, that comes not that old Grim Reaper. Grim Reaper comes around. He's a scary man. Uh, now, just for everyone at home listening, you're in on a Saturday morning because you've got to go and play cricket today yes. for Key War. Are you guys going to get in the finals, the grand final this year? Well, geez, I hope so. Like we're sort of splittering, splattering, spattering. We're not doing that well at the moment. We're not right. playing consistent cricket. Like we've. I believe we've got a very good team together and I think we can go back to back, but we've got to get a little bit more consistent. But I like to think we can win every week that we step out on the field. So we've got Baron Duda today at Baron Duda and they're a pretty decent team. So so we'll know the results of that by the time this podcast goes there. So yeah, we'll know hopefully actually... I've got a lot of runs towards me, you know, because at the moment the only runs I've had is from gastro, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a perfect pre-season tool to shred you. The one yeah. thing I want to know, the question I always ask my housemate, who's uh, he's, um, Lavington's captain of seconds, what is his seconds over there. B-grade. B-grade, that's B-grade. it. I'm not really a cricket aficionado, but I always go to him, can I tr- check the My Cricket app today? And if it's a yes, 
then I know that the day's gone all right. <laughs> so I, if anyone wants to check out how Josh Bardell goes in um, in Keywall Cricket, get on the My Cricket app, My and, cricket app. and follow that. Keywall Cricket Club. Yeah. Generally, sometimes I've been batting lately and I'll get the text through from Elle. She's like, oh, you're out already, are you? <laughs> so she's all over the My Cricket app. And so where can people find you online, Josh, if they want to yeah. follow along when you Hopefully, if you, blue tick you go back overseas and <laughs> yeah. may hopefully win yeah. a few games of cricket before yeah. that happens. Blue tick gives you absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, jump on. I don't, know, I don't want to plug myself. I don't know. Do it. Josh underscore Bartell, I think it is. Josh, I'll link it up in the show notes yeah, for today. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Because Edit that one out. I'm not plugging myself. No, well, we're plugging you. You don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the only reason we got you on, so that we can write on you. And also, oh, you want me to repost it for oh, you? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> also, we're going to jump on your blue ticks. This is a strategy yeah, we, on my behalf. Yeah, we only go for people with blue ticks. <laughs> <laughs> I've had people, when I was in Canada, slide into me DMs and Instagram trying to buy my blue tick, my account oh. for like five or ten grand. Really? Have you ever been so short of a dollar at that moment oh. where you're like, oh, there's, <laughs> I'm thinking about it. It's tempting. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> anyway, if I if some other person jumps up on my account, you know, I've sold it. Right. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Josh. It's been a real pleasure. Nah, Fantastic meeting you. Had an absolute ball, guy. Thank you. Thanks. Love it. Laters. What do you reckon? I know I say this all the time and it's probably getting a little redundant, but that was one of my favourites. Yeah. Like, he was just so chilled and a warm personality. He's and, a nice and guy. And he came right? in without any barrier up, which doesn't happen with everybody. Like True. He, he, he was, was just open to talk about anything. He was cash straight away, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird to see. That, that couch is huge. And I remember when we got the couches, like mm-hmm. if someone's even asked me recently, it might have been Tyson in a previous episode, yeah. why the couch is so big. Yeah. I'm like, well, I want to be able to accommodate everyone everyone of every size, including athletes. Mm-hmm. And he was way bigger in person than I expected. Was he? Because I'd only looked on his Instagram and he's surrounded by these even bigger people. Yeah. It's hard to know that when he's a standalone human, just how naturally massive he was going to be. Did Was the Johnny Bravo reference right? Correct. Yeah. It looked like Johnny Bravo if he'd been on summer break. <laughs> Just with like corona, a slight- yeah. Corona rig yeah, that he was Corona trying- rig. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice guy. So you want to know about my brain tweaks? Yeah. As soon as he started talking about Keith Urban- after talking about frozen eyeballs, yeah, I was just like, "What happens to people's hair over there when it gets really cold? If you've got long hair, does it snap off? <laughs> like, would it snap off?" I can't remember if it came up afterwards or not. What happens if your hair gets? You're talking about if your hair's wet. If your hair, like, like, or if you, what if you've got gel in there or something? If it's that minus degrees that you walk out into the elements and your eyeballs can freeze over. Like, what does that do to your hair in that if you're in a situation where it might you might walk out with slightly damp hair and, like, just would it just crunch up and, and just snap I would off? Have, I would imagine so. Because I actually was sitting there when he was talking, and you know how I get distracted with my own brain, and I was thinking, yeah, he's got short hair, so he'd be fine with that. But then when he was talking about Keith Urban, I was like, oh, what would have happened to Keith? That, that would have been a great Keith Urban story. That would, have made, that would have made the news here in Australia. It would have. Our biggest country music export hair snaps off in Canada. That's true. I'm gonna. I might have to ask him about that post if it's a if it's a thing or that. It blows my mind because I, to be honest, I knew he played, but 
I didn't know too much about CFL and the fact that they play in that cold. Yeah. Because I, I Googled weather. it beforehand because I knew I brought up with you that I think Canada is such a creative mecca. Mm-hmm. And even the coldest parts of America are the same, New York and Boston and the places like that, because people have to face the most extreme elements mm-hmm. and do something positive while maybe the world is trying to bear down on them. And yeah, I, it's just so fascinating to me that they have to, anything they choose to do is going to be impacted by whether that human beings aren't built for. Well, do you know what? I said the same thing about London after I'd lived over there. I was like, no wonder they've got so much art. It's so depressing over there. <laughs> just need to channel yeah. all that But negative. there is a certain positivity that comes out of misery. And you, we were talking about uh, it might have been the Saskatchewan home team and it was one of the colder places that he played being some of the most obsessed fans that they had. Because mm-hmm. they've got nothing else and to And side note, to. you just slipped in a little London reference. We've still never talked about how you live there. We'll, we'll, oh, yeah. we'll table that for a future yeah. punchy sideways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got a few stories about overseas, but we won't worry about that because what I'm keen is if he gets a call up this year, if it all goes ahead, I might actually start watching. Some. Oh, I'm definitely going to. Yeah. And I, did I mention in the interview that it came at a weird time for me because I just read about the Grey Cup in a book by my favourite non-fiction author. No, you didn't. You didn't mention it in the interview. You mentioned it afterwards that, and he was like, oh, yeah, I don't read books. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, that's I get that from 99% of I people. I don't read so. as many books as you either. I've still got my book at home, which is Women with Attention Def- Deficit Disorder that, I'm surprised. <laughs> that I've had for five years. I've still not had the attention to pick yeah. up and read, so... There's nothing to be proud of reading a lot. There are people on the internet that are like, oh, I read hundreds of books a year. I'm the greatest person ever. Those people are douchebags. No. They'll look at each to their own. But what I will say, one of the coolest things I think about talking to Josh was he could reference all these massive stories about CFL, but he's also just rocked back here and he's doing earth moving and driving a bus. Yeah. And just not affected by any of the stuff that he's done overseas. When I asked him about what that transitional period's like, he's such a low-key, low-energy guy that I don't think it even occurred to him that maybe there is a period. Yeah. And he did have, like he said, that sometimes it takes a little bit to get used to. I mean, it's a change of environment and a change of, I guess, your family's here and they're not over there, but also that you are right, he's coming back here and- you could walk past him on the street and besides thinking, oh, that guy's bigger than average, you wouldn't be also thinking, oh, that's the guy that plays football in America. <laughs> oh, sorry, in Canada. Yeah. I, I wouldn't call him low energy. I'm just call him very chill. Sorry, did I say low energy or yeah, low key? Low key is Low key and low energy, you said, but I wouldn't call him low energy at all. I'm just yeah. calling him very chill. Like yeah. he's just notulent about everything that's going on. Yeah. And I like it. And I now feel bad about judging him for not as much banana eating and stretching after football. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. And to answer your question, I'll definitely be getting on board if he's on a team. Yeah. Just to cover off for people who are wondering, well, Josh, what is this story you are about to tell? I was reading a book by Alan Doyle, who's from an island off Canada called Newfoundland, 
and he talked about this amazing story at the Grey Cup. Okay. And I finished that book and literally two or three days later you said, oh, do you know Josh Bartell in a message? Like, no, I do not. And you're like, well, he plays football in Canada. And I just, I really honestly didn't even think it existed. Yeah. Like, I knew it did, but I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, well, he's a real person. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> Canadians are real people too. Yeah. And they've got their own things going on. Yeah. And uh, apart from maple syrup, they play a bit of CFL. <laughs> Very good. So we can't accept maple syrup from our audience, but we can accept coffees. Yeah. I would love a coffee, please. If you want to go to buy me a coffee on our little Punching Sideways website. PunchingSideways.com. Yeah, that's it. People know what that is. Or do I have to press Well, no, I just want you to know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I don't maintain- Because if you you don't, they probably definitely don't. I don't maintain to know any facts around here, Josh. Yeah, I've I've worked that out. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just fly by the seat of my pants. But if you would like to- buy us a coffee and maybe keep this little project of ours ticking along. That would be great. But even just the little comments or inside messages into our DMs is also helpful to keep us ticking yeah, I along. Mean, the dollars are cool, but the comments really yeah. they're the best. Yeah. Yeah. And particularly best. a DM. When people take the time to write a message about something, it's pretty awesome. That's nice. And uh, Josh has some blue ticks to his name. So surely a blue tick is worth a coffee. In our pocket. I think so. (laughs) This episode was edited by Dead Set Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.